Hello, and welcome to Look Down There, the show where we talk about all the things we don't talk about. I'm your host, Michelle Lamore. Welcome to season two, everyone. We are kicking it off just right. My guest today is a Los Angeles-based performer who was born in South Korea and adopted by a Japanese-American family. Her work centers on the themes of psychic boundaries, sexuality, and permanence. She is the co-producer of the show Sacred Runes, an online hit that explores ritual, subverting cultural stereotypes, and the ancestral healing of Asian performers. Please welcome my guest, Kayla Tonke, aka Coco Ono. Hi. Hello. So wonderful to see you, Coco. You know, mm. I always love doing shows with you because you're just so uh, like magnetic on stage. Like you just have this power of stillness that is so magnetic. And I, I always appreciate when performers are just still and they just look <laughs> into your soul. And that is you. And I love it. Thank you so much. I could say the same about you. You are also magnetic. <laughs> so this is, yeah, really cool being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, fantastic. It's an honor. Um, so there's so much to talk about here. But before we get into, you know, who you are today, I want to know who you were. So tell me about your upbringing and your background. Um, my upbringing, um, a little bit uh, that you mentioned, I was born in South Korea and adopted by a Japanese American family to Central California. And how old were uh, you when when that happened? Um, I was six months. Okay. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's been quite a journey. Um, my adopted mother passed away when I was um, just getting into high school. So that was, um, you know, pretty, pretty sad point in terms of like being a teenager and, you know, figuring out your sexuality. And then um, her sister, who I was really close with, had passed away a year before. So it was like a all these women in my life. So I think... Um, yeah, high school was like a really tough time for me to figure out um, who I was, but I met an amazing group of friends who I, you know, basically uh, credit for giving me a makeover. <laughs> um, and uh, just, I guess, yeah, just giving me kind of like a community um, I got introduced to a lot of like performance, a lot of amazing music. And I think, yeah, that time um, really shaped me. So yeah, I moved to LA um, after high school and yeah, it's just been kind of an interesting journey to performance, but I started performing in 2005. So I'd been here for a few years. Um, yeah, and then it really started with stripping, you know, and other um, points of entry into sex work. And, you know, I think that eventually, I guess, led me to burlesque and performance art. So I, I feel like it's definitely been a journey. 
<laughs> yeah, it always is, right? <laughs> yeah, it's never, it's never no. linear. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's full of twists and turns and ups yeah. and downs and all of that. It still yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, it still is. Yeah, um, yeah, the journey never ends. Truly, is the is the thing. Um, did you know that you were adopted the whole time that you were with your family? Were they very open about that? Uh, they were always very open. That's great. Um, yeah. In fact, um, yeah, they just made it a point for us to hang out with other adoptees. Um, you know, just from the beginning, I never remember not being adopted. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they were always very open about it. Um, yeah. So I think that was, yeah, it, for me, it was pretty great to have these conversations. Um, but it's, you know, it still didn't uh, prevent some of the kind of like identity questions that I had. I think no matter how, um, supportive your family is your adoptive family like you're still gonna you know you have questions and and wonder where you came from at a, especially at well for me and at that age mm-hmm. I think were you ever able to connect with your biological mother or do you have interest in in doing that um I tried uh I tried in 2011 I went to Korea and yeah, and we were supposed to meet and then I get there and she just, she couldn't do it. And so, yeah, I, I basically, how old was I? I think I was 20, turning 29. So I basically spent my birthday with a bunch of strangers in a country that I don't remember at all. So it was like a very surreal situation and, um, like I loved my time there. I loved, you know, taking tours and, and meeting other adoptees. But I think um, I think it was like so traumatic that when I got back, I literally didn't want to talk about it mm-hmm. for years. And uh, until um, 2017, I made a film um, with uh, my friend Luca. And we basically just went on this another journey to, into um, kind of like home videos that I had. And um, it was like a, a visual letter to my birth mother, um, but also at the same time, you know, honoring my adopted mother. And I think subconsciously I wanted to get it out and, you know, see if, maybe it would reach her and it, you know, it got some traction. We went to a, a, you know, a handful of film festivals and um, yeah, but it, it never manifested. And I think that's fine Mm -hmm. because I ended up a couple of years ago going to a Korean shaman because I think it had kind of just disturbed me for a long time. Um, what had happened and uh you know it was it was more just like we had had contact after I got back and it was like apologies and all these things and and then it was like complete ghosting so I I really don't know what happened but um yeah this this Korean shaman told me to stop contacting her that it was making me physically ill and it was like this kind of wake-up call that 
you know, like emotional kind of uh, weight can wreak havoc on your body. And I, I really had no idea, you know? And so it was like a little bit of kind of a, um, yeah, a release, I guess. Like I felt like a weight had been lifted just hearing that from mm -hmm. somebody else, you know, who didn't even know me, but was basically describing a lot of things I'd experienced in Korea that no one could possibly have known. Like I didn't even tell anybody. So I, I don't know. I just was like, okay, I believe you and I'm not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think since then I feel like definitely a lot managing my feelings and expectations around it have become a lot healthier. And how did that change or define the word ancestor for you? How do you relate to that word? Um, I think when I think of ancestor, it doesn't necessarily mean I have to have contact with them because I, I feel like I, I read somewhere um, the other day that uh, memories can be passed down something like 14 generations. And so for me, I feel like whether we like it or not, our ancestors, you know, traumas and experiences are just in our bodies. And so I, I feel like whatever she's feeling, like I'm gonna feel whether I'm talking to her or not. And so even with like, you know, my connection to Korea, which is pretty sparse, you know, in a lot of, there's a lot of like holes in information. I still feel like I kind of have this like tie, you know? And so even if I've never met any of my actual ancestors, I, I still feel like, um, yeah, they're in my body and uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think just like sense. you can, just like you can have a chosen family in reality, mm -hmm. you know, you can have a chosen ancestral family as well. And that was something that really blew my mind when I figured that out. <laughs> it was like this, this, like you were saying, this weight came off and yeah. this connection to other wisdom that, that is beyond me and, and a network of support that felt mm -hmm. so great to have. And um, you were talking about memories being passed down. I don't know if you've read the book Blood Memory by Martha Graham, but she talks about this and she calls That's it. That's on blood, my list. Blood memory. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the blood memory, the memories of your generations before you, but definitely check out that book. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I need to. Yes. <laughs> so how did um, the erotic arts, sex work really, um, how did that pull you in? Like, what about it drew you to it? And how did that help you in your own healing? Yeah, I think uh, it was, I, it was like, it started in high school, um, even when I was a virgin. So I don't even, it was just things that I was like a fan of, that I was watching. Um, and so I, I think it, is a form of escapism um, in fantasy. I would dress up with my friends and we would reenact scenarios or, you know, make 
kind of these like mini performances for each other or um, do these elaborate photo shoots. And I, you know, I grew up in a small town, so I was basically only whatever I had access to like magazines or, um, you know, VHS tapes or that someone's passing around. I know, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, but those times were really precious. And I think that's when I started exploring what it's like to try on different personas. And I didn't realize it at the time that it was me just trying to escape everything that was going on, but it worked and it helped and I survived. And I think it um, definitely carried over into my adult life. And I realized that um, I was able to slip into these kind of like characters. And um, there was something very natural about that, um, which it was, yeah, it was like a, a fun way to be somebody else you know, for a moment or for a night. And um, yeah, I really, I because, you know, even though I'm a performer, like I'm pretty introverted, but I, I think it helped me overcome like shyness, hmm. you know, is to just kind of slip into these characters or costumes. And, you know, we all know what it's like to come home and take off the wigs and the eyelashes and it's just, you know, breathe, but there's also something really cool about putting all of those things on. Um, yeah. So I think that that definitely started to heal me in that department. Like it made me feel like I was in my body when I was mm -hmm. dancing or performing or um, yeah, just being erotic in any way. It just really, I feel like I started to find my voice and my confidence yeah and art is therapy whatever art that you're doing if you're pursuing it in an authentic and curious manner and like you can't help but learn about yourself and grow yeah. and heal those wounds that maybe you didn't even know you had yeah I do totally agree do you consider yourself a healer for the audience um yeah, I think it shifts back and forth. Um, and I don't know if you've experienced this also, but I think there were times in my life where I was healing myself <laughs> and I would just go out. I needed to dance so bad for me. And I wasn't thinking necessarily about like, how is this coming off, <laughs> you know, to others. And I think I'm more aware of that now. Um, but perhaps someone witnessing, you know, like complete exorcism of whatever I was doing, maybe help somebody in the audience. But like, I don't know if you felt like that too, or there's moments where you're healing the audience or just focusing on you. Yeah, I definitely feel like it's been a two way uh, relationship. Um, I can't say that I've never not thought about the audience on stage. I'm always aware of what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. But I will say that for the past few years, I've been very interested in what movement 
I want to do and, and focusing on what it is that feels good instead of what it is that looks good. And sometimes those things, I think that's so important. Yeah. Sometimes those things don't line up <laughs> a lot of the things they, that, that a look lot of good. The <laughs> right. Right. A lot of things that look good definitely don't feel good. So, um, yeah, <laughs> or so vice been, versa. yeah, exactly. So I've been, um, exploring that more and, and kind of being like a pleasure hunter, like where, where, where do I feel good in my body and what does my body want to do and listening to that and building that trust between my body and my mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then how do you break away from, I guess, because I feel like that awareness kind of creates this like out of body experience where you are kind of focused on like, how does this look? It's like, how do you break away from, you know, only like focusing on the internal experience? Right. I mean, that's when the performer part kicks in, right? Because you're performing, well, at least in the work that I do. I mean, the work that you do as well, but I think sometimes you, you maybe don't cross that fourth wall. Um, and it's very much a voyeuristic experience, which is amazing. And I love it. <laughs> it's so great. But other times you're very confrontational and very up in people's faces, laps, whatever. <laughs> and, and really being provocative and challenging those stereotypes that we were talking about earlier. Um, how do you go about challenging these Asian stereotypes and this fetishism in your work? Um, well, I think I, I really started um, by just accepting like what I was doing and basically defying what, you know, my ancestors have done in, in terms of, um, you know, owning their sexuality. So, you know, like my mother, my birth mother had to hide in a, a apartment basically the entire pregnancy with me. So I think part of me felt like just like being sexy publicly in any form was already kind of defying, being defiant. Um, so I didn't, I almost felt like, yeah, I guess just existing. <laughs> you know, doing any sort of taking up work. your space, right? Yeah. And so I think it started with just that. And then I did start to use stereotypes um, just as a way, like a, I guess, starting point conversation as something that maybe the audience would recognize um, these like specific tropes, like, you know, the schoolgirl the kind of like studious teacher or, you know, um, I guess. Yeah. Like, can you talk, can you talk about, fatale, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk about, um, this sushi act? Oh, with the, the head, the head plate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that kind of started as like a joke. Um, I had made that, hat and I was I thought it'd be funny um but then I realized um 
I mean, you know, back when, before COVID, when we could um, all share a meal at a public place with strangers. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just was kind of combining like the stereotype of like the sushi girl, um, you know, the naked sushi girl at the party that doesn't speak, that's just beautiful. The body is for all of the guests to, you know, gawk over and enjoy. Um, And I I think I was thinking about that, but making it mobile, you know, and, um, and then I was getting the the reactions I was getting from some people were kind of funny, um, where it's like, if, even in a public space, if given the opportunity, there's going to be kind of someone that goes too far, you know, or, and so I think, yeah, by making it mobile, I could still have the same um, reaction, but I could also leave. Exactly. Also yeah, you have you have crawl a away. Lot more, you have a lot more agency in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what I was thinking, and then I had like a fringe, like a fringe thing to cover the eyes, so it kind of looked like I wasn't watching what was going on but Mm. I was Mm -hmm. so just like subtle I guess yeah Uh, so you were the voyeur and the exhibitionist yeah Yeah. (laughs) let's see how people you know react to this or if they take too many they take too many pieces or if they try to grab you you know yeah well I mean you bring up a good point is um you know, I don't know how that act would translate into this new world that we have. So, (laughs) you know, how has the pandemic changed your art and also how you feel about what you're doing? I know we were both kind of rolling our eyes about it before we started the interview. So (laughs) I want to get into it. (laughs) Honestly, at first I was really freaked out you know, we had talked a little bit early on. I just had no idea what was going on. Like there was people getting COVID that were friends of mine. I was like taking care, helping my dad with some like eye surgeries. And I was just like, I, I don't know, like I was not going anywhere. My school shut down. Um, yeah, I was, I literally felt like a rug was pulled out from under me. Um, because, you know, when you're consistently performing weekly for 15 years, I mean, you know how it is. I mean, I was like, what am I, like, what have all these years, like, what have I done to sustain my life when I'm not out in the world? Like, so that was really scary. And then, um, you know, I basically joined um, the cyber clown girls and I started doing all these online shows and I, um, quickly realized that I was actually really into this medium or more like exploiting zoom Mm -hmm. for what it had to offer. And so I, I, yeah, I thought it was actually kind of fun for about a year (laughs) and you know, cause I was like, it's just buying all these lights and controlling lights with one hand and then doing, you know, what I was like doing all this other stuff 
you know, doing virtual backgrounds. And um, so I learned how to basically, you know, use Zoom to produce. And then Wayne Newton and I started Sacred Wounds um, as like a way to, you know, basically create a, a space for Asian performers that were working in sex work or sexuality or ritual, uh, doing ancestor work in a way to kind of combine all of those worlds. Um, and so I, I was like very, very, very excited about this new world. But then I think everybody was excited because there were, we thought there was going to be an end. <laughs> Ha, right. Yeah. We can maintain so, this for a little bit. Right. Yeah. Right. And so I was, everyone was excited. I was excited. I, I was just doing so many things, so many shows, going to school online. My entire life became Zoom. Um, so I, I feel like communicating everything that I was doing live was, uh, it was just like fair game on Zoom. I was like, cool. Like, this is how you, you know, you use this colored light to, you know, invoke these kinds of emotions. And this music works on Zoom and this music does not work on Zoom because it's Zoom. You can't like the slowness and stillness was so much different than live slowness and stillness because like yes. the energy wasn't there. You know, how that is. Yes. so yes. you could just sit here and people are going to be like, this is not interesting at all. <laughs> So I feel like with Zoom, you kind of are like moving a lot or there's lights flashing or there's like a virtual video background going on. So I, I think I became more aware of that kind of stuff. But then, um, you know, we took a little bit of a break with Cyber Clown Girls and Sacred Wounds, but I think Sacred Wounds, I think we're going to be back. It's like one year since we started wow. in September which is wow. next month. So we were like, okay, well, I, I think we should do a year, which is also very surreal because now it just, it, it was very exciting to do online as like, and then we're going to do a live or it's okay. We're doing this now so we can all meet in the future. Cool. And then now it just, I'm not sure. And yeah, I think, um, the last, especially month or two, I think, I don't know, my Zoom classes just started to really wear on me and I needed to take a break from Zoom shows. Like I, I've been on a couple of panels, which has been really cool. Um, but yeah, where I'm at right now, like I, I don't know. I was actually organizing all of my costumes. Um, and so that was also surreal because I was like holding these objects and mm. not sure what it means. Like, yeah. 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 So I don't know how you feel about it, but it feels like I'm not, I'm not sure. I felt a little honestly sad and nostalgic. Like, am I going to wear this fringe beaded bra again? <laughs> or Yeah. It's strange because, um, when I look at my costumes, I, it's like a life that I don't recognize really. Yes. Um, it's like, I know I was there. <laughs> I know I did stuff, Yeah. but I don't really recognize that person. And 
I think how, you know, I know you said you've performed twice since things have opened up and as have I, and it was emotional the first time I had a lot of support in the audience and definitely shed some tears, but I think how I came to the stage this time after all of this was very different than how I used to come to the stage and yeah. kind of like how you were talking I just got goosebumps. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like kind of how you were talking about um, earlier um, with, you know, like what you're exploring on stage. Um, I think times like I, I've gone through a lot. I've like dealt and wrestled with a lot of yeah. confidence shit, health shit, um, like comparing myself to other people. Like, even though I might come off as, crazy confident on stage uh right. I'm still battling some stuff right and yeah, so, and likewise. yeah and we all you know we all are I think we know how to manifest confidence in a physical form but when it comes to those moments backstage to where you're feeling just as confident off stage as you are on stage that takes more effort right because the stage mm-hmm. is a safe place it is place to explore these things, right? But off stage, anything's possible, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, I think the main thing that I felt differently about when I performed this time around was that I felt more of a generosity, more mm-hmm. like I wanted to give. I felt I felt more like open and breathy and a expansive about it rather than like, I'm here to prove something, you know, mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. I'm here for the money because there's no money. Come on. Um, <laughs> we know this. So I, I think that you're like my, real talk, real talk. <laughs> yeah. What uh, real talk here all day, every day. Um, real talk, you know, I had a million other side jobs. Yeah. <laughs> right. That we never talk about. Right. Right. So, you know, and I've, I've had a tumultuous relationship with burlesque, I will say, and I've had to do a lot of healing around that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. All my props are in the garage. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, you know, um, I'm not producing so too real. It's so weird. Like there's my Panther cage and my bathtub and the garage and, you know, all these other props that people haven't really seen yet. But when I think about producing a show, like a live show, I feel irresponsible about it. Like I feel like, is it time yet? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. Um, Yeah. And yes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, like I said, I was just going through literally dusting, you know, my old props and wondering, um, is this object, um, has it run its course for what it needed to say and do? And maybe that is true. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that might be, that might be true because there's a lot of different t- stuff to talk about now. There you know? is. So it's so different. And to, yeah, I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine about, you know, what it, it almost doesn't feel um, 
organic or, you know, just there's something that I'm intuitively trying to feel into myself and I don't have answers. I feel like very uncertain right now. And that feels weird because I feel, um, yeah, a little flaky because I, I just feel like I can't be certain where, where before I was like, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is the kind of acts I do. Take it or leave it. This is me. And I felt very direct and very aggressive about the way I was moving through life. And yep. late, lately, I just don't feel like that. I don't feel aggressive. Um, I feel uh, like a puddle <laughs> mm. that's like morphing constantly, you know, and yeah. I, I think that's fine. I have had to come to terms with also some health things and, you know, and I'm, it's just like so many things were kind of a wake up call that if I didn't uh, slow down and look into and take care of myself, then I wasn't necessarily going to be in a good place mm-hmm. <laughs> post pandemic yeah. at all. Yeah. It really forces you to reprioritize what's important to you and where your energy goes. And yeah, what is it that you want to say right now? You may not yeah, know right think, now, but it, right? I bet it will be different coming up, you know? Yeah. I think that's, yeah, I think that's what's what I, yeah, this podcast I think is like a really good, you know, space to even discuss these things, these yeah. unknown kind of yeah. uncertain times and maybe you'll look back on this time and be like wow these were some like really crucial conversations <laughs> you know like yeah it's a little time 20, capsule. yeah it's a little yeah. time capsule 20 years from now it'd be like wow we were going through it oh yeah we're going through it I think that's one of the things too is um for me is is watching other performers do the same acts and and like floofy and very burlesque and glam and I'm like this doesn't make any sense to me anymore (laughs) like there's so much dissonance for me right now um like I still enjoy it it's still there but um you know the first act that I did back on stage I danced to uh human by Subdeliza I love that song you know it wasn't very it wasn't very burlesque at all. You know, I wanted to come out and address the situation. Like, yeah, yo, <laughs> we just went through some stuff, right? Exactly. But I think that's what is so brilliant about your performances is that even in a burlesque space, you can do that and you are able to like transform, you know, and you can, you can be like, fans and very, you know, glamour, or you can be really assertive and address things. So I I think that's like, you know, I think either way, Yeah. (laughs) but, but what the future holds, like, I don't know. I look at all of my like rhinestone costumes and I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm sad or just confused. (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. It's sometimes I feel the pull to the stage, but then I wonder why I feel the pull to the stage. Like one of the things that I was just talking about um, was that what I miss is uh, feeling special. 
I miss kind of like that backstage access to life. Mm-hmm. I feel like when you're a performer, like you're always on the back lot of life. Yeah. You know, you're like let in the side door and like you have a special table or whatever. Oh, it's great. It's, and then it's, it's like, great. Ooh, you know, um, so I miss that kind of access, but I'm not even doing anything anymore. So I don't, I don't know what I need access to, but I, I miss that. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I guess like, how do you manage these like waves of feelings and, you know? Yeah. Well, if you're really asking, um, I do, uh, journal therapy meditation. And, uh, I also do, you probably know what this is. Gaga. Do you know what that is? No. Um, so it's a dance form and I'll send you the link for this. Yeah, please. I am very interested in trying to channel all of this. It is all about whatever the fuck you want to do. It is just like, that sounds great. (laughs) Wacky. Um, yeah. So it was created by, uh, the, well, he's not anymore, but he was the director of a Batsheva dance company in Tel Aviv. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just this whole exploratory movement language. Um, and it's just improv for like an hour. You just dance in a strange way in your living room for like an hour. <laughs> that's, that's, that sounds great. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that, how I, I mean, wake up in the morning. Yeah. So like, that's what I've been doing to kind of deal with myself. Um, but also like you studying and going to school and training and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I think um, just like, it might take on different forms. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a film that's being, you know, like in the works. Maybe there's a book or maybe, you know, there's a blog. I'm not, I have no expectations of what this thing is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the bottom line is you're an artist and that can take many different forms. And that energy is in you. And so however that gets expressed, whether that be in the same way it was before, or you find a new way, um, we will always find a way to express what it is. We, we will express. always you know, find a way. We will always yeah. find, I think we've proven that time and time again. Um, <laughs> so tell me about uh, your project private practices, because it looks incredible. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, that came about. Um, I was introduced to Haley Lohman, who's um, the director of uh, Los Angeles Contemporary Archives. And I had donated some scenes that I made um, when I very first started doing kind of performance art that was based on my experiences um, as a stripper, a sex worker, um, and just discussing like, the confessional aspect and like just me, I think viewing it like as a space for connection, maybe it's evolved now how I feel about, you know, all of those projects, but um, yeah. So I did a couple of scenes um, with my collaborator, Luca, and um, yeah, she archived them and they were just, 
you know, sitting there for, yeah, a few years now. And then um, we had talked about just archiving more um, Asian artists who had our former sex workers um, or current sex workers and just basically wanting to tell kind of like this like wide, um, yeah, this like breadth of this story, this narrative that everyone has a different story. And then also like all these different stories, how they also might have connecting points or kind of like similar experiences. But um, yeah, she was particularly interested in like oral histories and basically like ephemera, like notes on, you know, paper at hotels or, you know, journal entries. Um, and uh, one of the performers, Mariko Passion, has basically an 11 year blog that we printed out. And it is like, it, it's just such a, like, it, it has just such depth of this, like, you know, over a decade of like very detailed experiences. Um, so yeah, we collected stuff like that. Like I donated some shoes. We have like a lot of um, performers donated, you know, clothing items or shoes or things that like one of um, the artists donated like a costume that was like her grandmother's who was a dancer. And I mean, just things like that, that, you know, I don't think at the time I was like thinking like, oh, if one day this is gonna be a show. And I, I think at the time I was collecting, I was just keeping things just because I didn't know what to do with them or I thought maybe I'd use them. But then as we started talking to some, you know, other performers that were interested in donating things and obviously like we're still, it's just gonna be an ongoing archive. Um, I was like, wow, this is really important to get these stories, yes. you know, especially after the Atlanta shootings. And I was like, wow, these stories are from the people themselves saying, this is my experience, not some other person's, you know, interpretation. And so I think that's what Haley was interested in, is in archiving is like those experiences from the mouths of those people who had done the work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how it started. And we can see it. It's open to the public, or is it's it it's not? open. Yeah, till okay. the end of the the end of the month. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, basically, um, LACA is cool because it's kind of acts as like a public library space, so you can just go in and like check stuff out. So even when it's done, there'll be like boxes of the ephemera that you can. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and it's like on the online database. So things are getting scanned in, you know, throughout the month. So you'll be able to like see, you know, dirty stripper shoes from like, I don't know, I 2006 or I whatever. Yes, yes. So what? where can people go uh, to check it out online if they can't make it in person? LACA, L-A-C-A-R-C-H-I-V.com. So it's Laka archive, but there's only one A. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds so fantastic. So one more question before I let you go. 
Who are some Asian performers that you admire past or present? Oh, there's so many. Um, well, now that I, I feel like I've been introduced to um, many in, you know, all over and, you know, Calamity Chang really um, introduced me through Asian Burlesque uh, Festival to just like so many incredible performers. And I feel like it kind of changed my perspective on like, wow, <laughs> here we are. This is, you know, really yeah, cool. So, so you don't feel so alone and you're like, ah, look at this. Yeah. This so works. I just thought it was so cool. Like here we are defying our ancestors together. And um, so, yeah, she's definitely somebody that's been really amazing. Um, I love crocodile lightnings. But see, are you defying, work. are you defying the ancestors or, or are, are we speaking and expressing things they wish they could have? I view it as that yes. actually, you yes. know, but, but maybe some people view it as defying, but yeah. Um, yeah. I love crocodile lightning. Um, uh, Kim Ye is another performer. Ibuki Kuramochi is amazing. Um, I love Silly Tan's uh, performances um, and some past. Uh, I love Shigeko Kubota, who was briefly a performer, more like video artist. And I, I actually really love Yayoi Kusama's like video performances and work. I think those are not shown a lot, but they're super important and pretty trippy and have inspired me for sure. Um, yeah. And, you know, Yoko Ono, I love Yoko Ono's work and just your namesake, of course. I know my namesake. <laughs> and that I, I actually, what I love about her is that she's evolved. Mm -hmm. I feel like she's definitely kind of what we've been talking about where it's just like letting yourself evolve, um, you know, where, wherever that takes you. Um, so whether it's erotic or not, it's all fine mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's all important. So yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Wang Newton's been like an amazing, you know, co-producer and just, I think has a lot of, really unique points of reference as um, and hilarious hilarious and just like yeah as a drag king and um yeah I think they definitely um have have taken like a unique route to mm -hmm. um their career yeah well, thank you so much for joining me today, Coco, and sharing your stories and being vulnerable. Where can everyone <laughs> find you and stay up to date on all your amazing happenings? Um, my Instagram is at coco.ono and my personal Instagram is at kayla.tange. And um, yeah, I generally post there, not so much on Facebook, but mostly Instagram. And then my websites are connected to my Instagrams. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. You. Yes. Okay, everybody, time to spread your legs and spread the love. Like us, follow, share, and subscribe. You can follow us here at I Look Down There or go to lookdownthere.com slash the-show for all of our past episodes from season one. And you can follow me at Michelle Amore. And remember that confidence comes from the bottom up. So grab a mirror and look down there. Until next time.